Plot, Ray, 2004, written by IMDb editors. Legendary rhythm and blues singer Ray Charles' life transpires on screen, from his humble beginnings in Georgia, where he went blind at age seven, to his pre-fame life touring the South, and on to his career as one of the most enduring, inimitable performers in modern music. Voice over off. When you're blind and watching movies, what will you find? A blind superhero whose superpowers are acting like he's not blind. A sighted actor overdramatically touching people's faces. Or maybe the whole joke is that they're bumping in to different places. A spectacular, macular Citizen White Cane, the podcast that may reinvent itself over and over again, but will always be 100% crit. My name is Sky McLeod. I'm Melissa Bukta. And we are talking about the 2004 film Ray, which is mm-hmm. a two and a half hour long um, yeah. biopic. Yep. I think this might be one of the longest <laughs> ones we've watched so far. Yeah. It's probably like tied with something else. Maybe Scent of a Woman, actually. And, and or At First Sight, because that one was Yeah, that was also too. very long. Um, <laughs> uh, but it is, yes, a chronicling the life of Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, this is a podcast where we watch movies about blind people. It's called Ray, so I guess you could probably put that together <laughs> even if you didn't know the movie. I um. was, yeah, I was kind of piggybacking off of last week's film because uh, in Music and Darkness, Ben was a blind pianist and that reminded me of Ray Charles and the, yeah. and subsequently Ray and I realized I've actually never seen this movie before. So And there's a, just like a couple plot points that are similar to there in is. this movie yeah. to last week because we have um, him getting paid and he actually, because in the last movie he gets uh, ripped off in Music and Darkness. In this movie, um, Ray... Uh, insists on being paid in uh, one dollar bills mm-hmm. so that you can't which is like I was like oh that's genius <laughs> I, I know right that. that's a great that's a really great idea yeah. Um, yeah but but yeah so that was so now I'm like oh that's so great but it's probably a lot easier to do um, in the 40s and 50s or the movie takes place was in like the 50s but it's yeah. easier when there's less inflation so you could you know you know if you got two hundred dollars in ones that would be kind of a pain in the butt be a lot of money. It'd be, <laughs> yeah. yeah it'd be a, be a whole lot of money uh yeah and what i i actually did a teeny tiny bit of of looking around research for this <laughs> uh if you call it that i can tell you that jamie fox who plays ray charles in the film and who subsequently won an academy award for his performance in 2004 um he did meet with ray charles right before ray's death actually to uh talk to him and uh, kind of sort of for Ray to sign off and get and get his blessing on Jamie playing him. Right. Which is, it, yeah, it's interesting because I also read that he, um, that they had like sent uh, Ray Charles the Braille version of the screenplay. Um, <laughs> That's and awesome. then he like, I loved one of the things he was like, you have to change was they'd um, in their 
originally they had it so that he was reluctant or didn't want to play the piano and he was like no <laughs> I wanted to play the piano yeah, yeah. and I was enthusiastic about it which I, I thought that was kind of endearing <laughs> yes I, I loved that uh, Ray Charles had um, say and had an impact on how his story was going to be portrayed and, yeah, and told. It, it came out in 2004, which was, so he, it came out in October and he died in April, or June. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he, so it had been a few, it came out a few months after Ray Charles died. So he never <laughs> saw, I no, mean, it's not like in his audio description. See. So he never heard the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He never, he never well, witnessed or what? Yeah. He never yeah, got, yeah. he never actually got to hear or witness the final product. Yeah, uh, which uh, yeah. it did kind of make me think of the Miracle Worker because that had a similar timeline. Um, but I, but I'm glad that he got a lot more kind of creative because I know that um, the Helen Keller was like really upset about the movie and did right. not, and it did not have her blessing. Mm-hmm. So that I, was cool to hear it had his blessing. Yeah, and I feel like if he had gotten to experience it, uh, I think I think he still would have liked it. Hopefully, yeah, and signed off on it. And I mean, Jamie Fox put in a hell of a lot of work for this performance. I mean, he learned, you know, he's he already plays musical instruments, but, you know, he learned, uh, he, he does all the singing, he does like, everything, all, Though all of the Though he only stuff. does, like, one song where he's, like, pretend, or, you know, it's like he's making it up on the spot, but most of right. the performances are actual Ray Charles recordings that are then dubbed over. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, because when, when he said... When I when he said that he did all that like the singing and everything, all the vocals, that's all him. I just was like, oh okay. Oh, he's. I don't know what that. Why did he say that? That's my That's interesting because I. <laughs> that's so okay, weird. I don't know I what he was, meant. <laughs> right, because I was like going back and forth because I because I'm I'm not a jazz expert, but I love jazz. I'm like a, I'm a not even a connoisseur, but like I love jazz. I really right. so I know Ray Charles music. Yeah, and and I'm going. I'm and I know Jamie Foxx's voice. So like I'm going back and forth. I'm like that sounds like Ray Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then does. like, but that also sounds like Jamie. So like I don't, I don't know where one ends and one begins. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a couple scenes where there's like. You know, he's just like playing the piano, making up the song on the spot. And so to do those scenes, I think they had Jamie Foxx sing it to make it seem more like a very informal like song, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. is kind of the times that they actually had Jamie Foxx doing the vocals. But so much of it is just the recordings of Ray Charles' songs. That wonderful, delightful, delicious scene, uh, which which is my favorite in the entire film, when uh, they are he's he's gotten the the cookies cookies or the raylets at this point and they are they're at a club and he's done for the night and his manager's like uh-huh you got 20 more minutes in your contract <laughs> and they're like we don't know what to do we played the book and ray's like no, no no it's cool it's cool just let's just go and the they basically improvise this amazing <laughs> yeah. crazy song uh what i say that became an instant smash hit and i i love it well as someone who who loves doing improvised musicals like I love that you know the the musician is just like trust me I'm really good at what I do let's just go and then I'll lead and you can follow and on a good night uh it works and it's amazing and jazz is is improvisation musical improvisation and so it's just beautiful and so amazing to see that uh to see that all come together like that and then to find out that that's real. Like that's a, that is a thing that really Did happened. That one really happened. Yes. Okay, because I know some of it was like kind of. Made of course, up, John, he you know, would just come up with yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. No, 
that really happened. <laughs> I'm just like, that makes it even more special. That's it, it's brilliant. It's that's so a, cool. Yeah, yeah, th- that is cool. I didn't realize that because I know that they did make up him. Just like the fact that he came up with some of the things, like especially which makes sense. Like he's doing a concert in that scene, so it makes mm-hmm. a little bit more sense. But there's other scenes where he is like making up a song based on an emotional thing that's right. happening, and right. he's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna make this song based on this emotional so, fight we're having." <laughs> right, like, and then it, and then it becomes this like amazing song yeah this iconic song that's that is like a music biopic cliche yeah Um, yeah they the most it happens all the time the most egregious one is uh in bohemian i was gonna say bohemian rhapsody Uh, is just the most egregious film right i haven't seen it so much i do not like that movie but the worst (laughs) like i threw up my hands in the theater because i was just like are you fucking kidding me uh sorry brief aside uh freddie mercury and and his um mary his his on again off again girlfriend uh, are just laying in bed together and he's like sketched out the logo for the band Queen or whatever and she's like oh that's so that's really good da 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 and then he's like yeah I've been working on a song and it's kind of a cool shot because he's they're like laying under a piano and he's got like the keys right above him and he's like yeah I've been working on this song like this intro and ding 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 <laughs> And it's the opening chords to Bohemian Rhapsody. And I was like, shut the fuck up. It did not happen that way. And it's so irritating. Well, he was working on it. So maybe. (laughs) He's like, one day, maybe I'll figure out what to do with it. And I'm like, fuck you. I I can't right now. No, that's so bad. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I guess this movie doesn't have that doesn't totally fall into those traps 100 percent. just because i mean maybe just because ray charles has like such a a vast array of work too yeah that, that, that they kind was, of touch on right that was something cool that i actually didn't really concretely know about ray charles is basically throughout his entire career he just decided to reinvent himself oh i'm i've yeah. done r&b i've done jazz i'm, I'm gonna do country now i'm gonna do gospel i'm gonna do uh um pop i'm gonna do whatever you know and just over and over and over again that was that was really cool it made me sad that i was thinking about like how we have the music industry now and it's always bums me out that like you like sampling and and how there's these lawsuits for just like a freaking tune that <laughs> should be like public domain or like a chord right. like people are fucking right like copywriting chords and right because in the beginning he's taking gospel music and flipping it on its head and adding new stuff to it but it's essentially the bass where it came from was is gospel music so right. these are melodies and chords and like you said and pe- things that people recognize but spun in a different way. Which is what music used to be far more about and, like, this era of of the kind of litigiousness of copyright law and all that stuff. Right. It just made me really bummed out because Ray Charles just wouldn't have been able to do most of what he did probably if he was if, if he, he was now if he was our age. Right. If he always time. got if he always got taken to court for one little tiny thing. Right. He was dealing with enough with all the drug charges <laughs> he and also yet, need copyright. Right. And yet I got a woman has been sampled uh several times yeah kanye exactly i'm like oh my god i forgot that was a ray charles song oh really he starts he starts playing it on the piano after this fight that he's had uh with marianne and i'm thinking is this a joke like did they slip this in as a 
joke like oh i made this song and i'm i'm like oh no that's that is actually his song that's so funny the song that i'm hearing in my head is kanye west so it's well not- it's, i love kanye but every time that song comes on i'm like yes my people ray charles <laughs> yes yes um, i love it i love it i'm like oh that makes that song so much more special now. <laughs> yeah i mean uh yeah i i love it i i I was surprised at how much I actually enjoyed this film. I it, I was really worried because it's a musical biopic and it I, it's so long and I thought this is going to be such a slog to get through and everything. And it honestly, it wasn't. I'm not going to say it flew by. Yeah. It definitely. It, it definitely feels like two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. You feel the time. Right. But I, it wasn't two and a half hours of torture. I mean, I was no. I was engaged the entire time. And even though this movie hits all of the musical biopic cliches it's done so well and so seamlessly and jamie fox's performance is incredible and of course you know he's anchoring he's anchoring the whole thing you know and i and i thought about this when i was coming here i was like this is going to be hard to talk about because it isn't it's another case of an actor putting on crip face yeah who got lauded for his amazing performance but from an acting standpoint like just an acting standpoint it's a fucking amazing performance. I mean, he is Ray Charles. Yeah. It's insane. Well, I mean, I think the fact that he's mild, he actually is mild off of an actual blind person who he both met and, like, there's a lot of archival footage. Like, you actually have things you could genuinely study of Ray yeah, Charles's. Yeah, you can so, watch and listen to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he... So I think that that probably actually made us performance more realistic because he was imitating the real thing um right. but well, and he also like many other stars he also did spend time at a at a blind institution uh and he realized i i, I had found an interview um that he did on a, on a british talk show that was quite funny uh he realized that oh my god ray did everything different because ray was a star Ray had his own way of doing things. Like, Ray don't use a cane. I don't think yeah. Ray Charles in his entire life ever used a cane. No, he didn't. There's a lot of interesting stuff I was reading about his perspective on blindness and the way that it's a good thing we're doing a whole podcast about this. I know, right? Um <laughs> but, but I think, like, in this in the movie, yeah, he doesn't use a cane. Um, I did actually pick out... Um, a couple clips, one from the oh, movie cool. and one from an interview with um, Ray Charles. Both of them are him talking about his Brilliant. blindness mm-hmm. um, to kind of get that. Do we want to just kind of start with those as yeah, a jumping off yeah. point? Okay. And then we can talk about stuff. Yeah. So the first um, clip is, uh, let's start with the movie. Um, and it is a clip of him explaining uh, his blindness or like the way he perceives the world to uh what was what is the letter that her name is b oh b yeah, yeah. i don't know why <laughs> took a second. um but, but this is like one of the first scenes with his later wife b um and it's like the scene that they're basically meeting and he's explaining his eyesight i feel like we've had multiple scenes of like the love interest explaining what yes. they're like <laughs> we've played so many of those clips well you know <laughs> You gotta, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not not angry it's, about it. They're yeah. good clips to play. It's just kind of funny that it, that's that such this a good always seat. happens. Though yeah. it's never a woman hmm. doing that, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, only the male characters. Well, actually, I, yeah, we've had more 
it's there's a different dynamic and this is a lot we'll, we'll have to talk about the mm-hmm. the not it's like sort of gender politics but like the kind of like his relationship with oh definitely women in general definitely <laughs> yes yes but for now we'll start with just the him explaining his blindness um in the scene you sung tenor and jesus is my shepherd right yes how'd you pick me out actually i uh I hear like you see, like that hummingbird outside the window, for instance. I can't hear her. You have to listen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you can. Uh-oh. You hear that? What? Her heart just gave to be. <laughs> oh, did you like my record? The one that King B was playing. Okay. I'll cut it out there. Um, I mean, I, th- I actually think it's a really cute scene. It's it's kind of lovely in its succinctness and how, succinctness and how he is able to... Um, how he d- describes what he sees or how he sees. Yeah. I, I like the bit where he's talking in the dry, uh, in the bus with the, his first band about why he wears hard soled shoes. Oh yeah. So he can hear the echoes. That's a good one too. That was, that was really cool little details. And I think little details like that, you would not have gotten unless you actually had talked to and had your script approved by the actual person you're doing the biopic about. Yeah. That was a, I feel like we should also play that clip. Um, it's a it's a very short clip. Yeah. Hey, uh, pardon me for asking, but how do you get around so good without a cane or a dog? How do you get around so good without a cane or a dog? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cry. My ears got to be my eyes, man. It's everything sounds different, you know. That's why I wear hard sole shoes so I can hear the echoes of my footsteps off the wall. So when I pass by an open doorway, the sound changes. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> you know what you gotta learn pretty quick if you wanna get around on your own. Yeah. You know, during the war, there was a whole lot I had to learn fast so I wouldn't be here. Seeing that much death ain't natural. Yeah, seeing death ain't natural. Okay. That's almost the last part. Yep. more part of another thing um, <laughs> um and then i also have a clip just of actually ray charles talking a different thing about it's uh not this not him describing his vision it's actually earlier in this clip he does but um i picked out a different uh part where he's talking about where they're talking about like uh you know what? I'm just gonna let I'm just gonna play the clip. There you it go. starts with a question, so <laughs> um. told that some blind people who could have their sight restored have refused because they have spent most of a lifetime adjusting to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that it would just completely disorient them to have it restored suddenly yeah. they'd have to learn all new habits and they have right. actually uh, can, can you sympathize with that? If I could wave a wand yeah. and say you will see w- would you accept uh, that? I or? probably uh, w- well, let's put it this way. Uh, if you were if you were to say to me, look, I can wave a wand and, and you can see you can see right now, um, 
and and it's got to be a forever thing. I I might turn it down. Uh, if you were to say to me, well, I can wave it and you can see for maybe a day, I might accept that. Only because there, there, there are a couple of things that maybe I would like to see once, you know, or, you know, just so that I really would know for what's really happening really? that I haven't seen. Yeah, because, you know, I, as I said, you know, that I've seen the stars and the moon and the sun and, and I remember my mother. And, and uh, so I, I think basically I, I would probably like to see, uh, uh, you know, j just just for once, because I see them anyway all the time, like, you know, like my kids, for instance, you know, yeah. just for, you know, just to physically see them. But actually, uh, I, I'm not all that hung up about seeing things because I do everything I want to do. I go everywhere. I want to go, and, 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 and with some of the news I hear about today, you know, I mean, there are some things I just absolutely don't want to see, man. I really, I, mean, I feel sorry for you guys who have to put up with it, you know? <laughs> okay, so that's... That's fantastic. That's so yeah. brilliant. I know that seemed like honestly that I was I was like oh that's the most I related to I related yes. to that clip more than I related to any single thing in the movie. I know oh <laughs> a, a thousand a thousand percent because I'm sure you've been asked because I know I've been asked that question all the time. That's the, yeah. one of the the first or second questions people ask when they meet me. Well, you know, don't you don't you want your sight back? You could make a magic wand. Yeah, yeah, and get your sight back. I like Ray's answer. I think it's a very diplomatic answer. Um, and I, I totally agree with that. I'm like, yeah, I you feel know, like I've actually given that answer before. Almost mm -hmm. not. I mean, I don't have children, but um. right, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I there is a, there's definitely times and days and there's a small part of me that would like to know what it's like to have full vision for a little while yeah. but honestly I think it would stress me the fuck out it and would. I would just want to go back to the way I am which right. I am fine with and he is fine with yeah and this is not uh there are moments when because anybody you know any blind person is going to struggle every now and again but this is not a movie about uh, Ray coming to terms with his blindness or overcoming his blindness. His yeah. blindness is just who he is. And yes, he gets frustrated and he gets people try and take advantage of him, but he doesn't let that happen for very long. Yeah, it's though, it's interesting because um, I was listening to something and they were talking about how one of the, like, the movie's liberties that are taken is that we, he basically was PTSD because yeah. his little brother, um, died in an accident the movie is made out to be like he didn't do anything about it um which is actually factually wrong mm -hmm. um that he did try to save his brother um and yeah and just called for his mom whereas in the movie he just stands still does nothing and doesn't call for his mom so right. it's actually like kind of what happened seems it's you know well his yeah his brother falls in this huge wash basin that his mom uses to do laundry in and, and in the we don't know this in the movie but in real life there were clothes in the basin at the time and they were wet oh. and what had happened was yes Ray tried to save his brother but he was small at the time and he couldn't right, lift him and right, the clothes right, right. so all he could do was run to get his mom and by the time she got there it was too late which is terrible yeah and yeah in the movie it's weird because not only does he do nothing and also I'm just kind of like it seems like a weird choice to be like when he did in real life do something, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I look at those PTSD um, segments because in one of them, at the, the very end, he talks to his mother and sees his brother again. So I treated them as more 
fact um fictitions of of his mind rather than what actually happened even so, the when he doesn't help that you think that that was yes oh he's reliving he's reliving his brothers because he talks about after that scene we played in the with the bus and the shoes he talks about to see how seeing death isn't natural but i think it is um more ptsd and more uh reflections of his mind than maybe what actually happened oh i don't know i don't think that i could be i could be talking out my ass it seemed like it was so hinged on the fact that he didn't do anything like his ptsd Mm -hmm. was so specific to the fact that he did nothing and didn't call for his mom right and like it also is just kind of it made me sad that like it just seemed like a bizarre liberty to take not that you know sometimes you do just freeze like that is one of the sure you know danger responses and so it's not like it still wouldn't be his fault if that was what really happened it was just i i just thought it was kind of weird that like it seemed weirdly contrived that that was a thing that they made up when it was actually the exact opposite he did exactly what in the movie he wished he had done and it still didn't help (laughs) like that felt more yeah and maybe maybe we we saw it that way because that would justify th- more of the amount of PTSD attacks that he right. had Which, in, in the movie. Like, sure. I mean, I think, but at the same time, I also, you know, PTSD can happen from a bunch of things. But oh, it, yeah. what's interesting is it, they talk, and I mean, in sort of the movie, there is some stuff where he's like a, remembering becoming blind as like a, in the same way he is that stressed out remembering like there's it's not a lot of the movie but there's like one or two scenes where he's like scared because he's going blind and it's like kind of part of the trauma narrative that he has mm-hmm. and he in in real life he was like I was reading something that was like yeah he wasn't re- the brother and the blindness were not things that he was traumatized by he did have PTSD but it had much more to do with his mom dying when he was 15 right and right. and was less related to those two things and so I like I don't know it was just weird to me I was like why it, it just seemed like a weird it's rewriting of history yeah unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately I think that's where that's where we have to it's a movie and you have to insert some kind of weird drama which right I, I get I totally hear what you're saying which is something they didn't have to do like we didn't have to play that aspect up like his mother died that's right. the reason he has PTSD that's the reason he started the heroin so why play up his brother in the blindness but you're also writing for an audience of able-bodied people and we they want to see oh you know they want to see the the whole overcoming of disability narrative blah 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 so i i i think that's why well you have sighted writers i don't even think it's like just catering to a sighted audience it's also just a a complete lack of understanding. <laughs> right, and that's just how they see It's ignorance blindness. and why you yeah. shouldn't be, blind people should be writing this these is, scripts. Right, the, being blind and, and his brother dying is something that haunts him and something that can, uh, that they can write in and that can be the cause of PTSD. Right, instead of like your mom dying, which I don't know, it just seems like it's a weird thing to me where I was, it, yeah, I mean like that can also be dramatic for someone. And sure. It's just, yeah. I'm not really sure I mean, I guess it's also weirdly uh, focusing on the boy instead of his mom is another, like, the gender politics of the movie are weird in some ways. Like, the women are in, 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 not entirely, but I feel like they are 
not written in a way that I was super happy about half the time. Right. Well, especially with Regina King's character. Yeah. Well, because I love Regina King. But (laughs) um, uh, her character, uh, Margie, dies off screen. And at first, that really pissed me off. Yeah, and it's based on. But, right, I learned later on that actually that is actually the way it happened. So I'm a little less pissed off about it. But she is, uh, I mean... Basically, Ray Ray is a ladies' man. Yeah, he really and is. And Ray, in my humble opinion, got married way too fast and way too early before, because um, he didn't. I don't, I don't think know he, if that's his know. only problem. With no, women, though. that's that's. I mean, he's not like it's he's doesn't, not. He doesn't mean. come off as abusive no, at all in no. the movie, and also like from you know you never fully know. But what I could tell, I don't think in real life that's true. I think it's also true that he was not like a shitty guy to women necessarily mm-hmm. he was just not he was just an adulterer you know like he just he cheated loved, a lot was he really loved the thing. women yeah, yeah. He, was, he he really like scent of a woman he just loved <laughs> he women. just loved women <laughs> yeah well b was the uh was the only person that he married now in real life they they did end up getting divorced in the movie it's not yes. really it's she threatens divorce but it's not really ever said or or shown okay that they got, she does they, actually that, that she does actually yeah. divorce him but ray never gets married again yeah it though he, a, like that's it i love that he has 11 sons with i think like yeah. five women or something like that Some, um i heard i thought it was five kids with a couple oh it's definitely over 10 children okay can't remember if it's 11 or 12 well mr charles likes to sow his wild oats which is also another thing that they another weird rewrite for the script which is that when um he finds out that uh i had regina king who's uh what is her um margie margie thank you um when he finds out that margie is pregnant Mm -hmm. He in the movies asked her to get an abortion, which right. he was like, oh, "I didn't do that." <laughs> I, yeah, I, he was like, he was happy to have as many kids as possible, <laughs> which I don't know is kind of like to be weirdly endearing. I mean, I think it's like at the time, you know, it, the twentieth century, we did a lot of eugenics for a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and I do really love the idea of even though I mean, who knows what? I think they don't. They think it might be glaucoma, but they don't really know. It could have been an infection. Right. Like, it seemed more likely to me that... Glaucoma is what I heard is how he went blind. He had glaucoma. Right. But I think it might be one of those things where they never totally knew Right. It just, it happened. But I do kind of like the idea of even if it's, you know, so there's no really knowing if it was genetic or not, but I just like the idea of uh, (laughs) a blind um, man going around and being like, I'm going to have as many children as I want. (laughs) It's like, it's like the exact opposite of C, right? Yeah. He's not, he's not Gerald Morel, like trying to have all these sighted kids. He's anti-Gerald Morel. (laughs) Except for, I don't think, well, there's one scene (laughs) in the movie and this is not like something that I could find. I mean, like, because the, the abortion thing was totally, which also during that scene, I was like, is that really what happened? Like in that era, like that he right. would have been asking her to get an abortion. Because right. like, I'm like, I'm like, OK, obviously, like contraception just either wasn't a thing yet or just it never happened. It wasn't very good. It, well, yeah, it wasn't very good. So so the fact that he's just like, OK, get an abortion is like, um, Okay. Well, it just also at that time could have been extremely dangerous for right. her. She probably like, would have died. Well, or, that, or not necessarily, but it still would have been like very a dangerous thing for her health. Well, and, like, but and also, how is she supposed to get one? She's a woman of color in the 50s. Yeah. 
Well, sometimes you could you could go to some eugenicists. Oh, back alley abortion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but it was just for me. It's it read as wrong to me. I was like, this probably is untrue, and then I read that it is like definitely not what happened. Um, but but yeah, he. But there is one scene when he has his first. I think it would be his first son with, um, with B, or she has yeah. the birth this child. Um, mm-hmm. and he his first question or something like they have a little conversation and his first question almost is like can the baby see or they say like Mm -hmm. they talk about one other thing like that he's smiling or something and and then he was like oh thank god and that was like such an offhanded line that i was like is that what happened like you know it was just one of those things where i'm like is that really it's hard what happened it's it's hard because like parents want the you know parents want the best for their kids and even and we're so programmed in our society that even a disabled person is like well jeez i just hope my kid is not disabled well and that's like something right which is something that could happen theoretically it's not out of the question that Mm -hmm. that would be the case that that really would have been what happened and so that's why i was also like is that something that did happen whereas then it's a different conversation almost than something where it was um like not didn't happen and it was just like a sighted writer (laughs) writing a line like that like thinking that a disabled person would Mm -hmm. care about that which is uh, I would say more problematic, though I do think both of them, even if that is what really happened, that's also problematic, even if it's more internalized ableism. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just, I wish I knew a little bit more on what his opinions would have been on that, because I think that would be interesting to know, because I don't trust <laughs> cited writers to like, <laughs> you know, make the... Uh, just have that you know it's like just ableism for them just because ray signed off on the script doesn't mean that they couldn't have gone back and like tweaked other shit you know before the movie had gone into production or even it could have just been like what he'll do it's two and a half hours long right like are you really gonna make notes on every single little thing that you're like "Uh, i don't know if i like it could have just been that he read the script and was like okay fine and like because for me i would be like my first note is take that the fuck out (laughs) like i would have never asked but you know maybe he's like i didn't ask them but it's not so far from something i would do that i'm gonna bother telling you to take this out of the movie like i could see that but but you know he had 11 kids so it does also have also, <laughs> like he's kind of an absentee father like he's yes. just flat. No, so I'm also like why does he want so many children when he's not even okay, in their life there's no kind of about it Margie's <laughs> fucking kid right he hears that Margie dies and 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 Regina King uh, Regina King Jesus yes Margie played by Regina King and B his wife played by Carrie Washington because I don't know if we've said that she's no, played, yeah, we haven't, played yeah. beautifully by Carrie, Carrie Washington um was like, well, we'll just start sending her money. And, and Ray's like, well, I've already been doing that for like years. And oh, she's yeah. like, okay, cool. Well, what what about the baby? And and Ray's like, oh, yeah, well, um, she can go live at her sister's. You know, her sister's. Oh, she's already living at, in she's her already, sister's. Yeah, yeah, she's already living at her sister's. So it's just like, well, okay then, I guess. <laughs> and you might see her maybe, the you might see the baby once or twice 
in the baby's life. I don't know. But like like you said, I don't think Ray was ever an abusive father, you know. Or, yeah, or partner. At least that we can tell. Yeah, Yeah, because I was like terrified after watching the movie that I was like, this guy slept with a lot of women, so it could go either way. He could, could," you know, there's so many fucking dudes in history where they're, we love them until it's like, yeah, they beat their wives and like, you know, something like that. I was a little afraid of of watching this movie because I'm like, wow, am I just going to find out that Ray Charles is a monster? Yeah. I really like Ray Charles is cool i mean i i learned to love jazz through ray charles and billy holiday and uh oh my god and of course now i can't names are not are not happening um dizzy gillespie quincy jones like i love i i really do i i really enjoy jazz music and i'm just like i really don't want to find out that that ray charles is a monster can't confirm we don't think he's a monster yeah in the movie he doesn't come off as one and then also for what i can tell about reading up on him yeah 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 and watching you know watching performances and stuff i mean he loved what he did he adored it was it was in his soul i mean it was in his dna yeah yeah he's just an incredible musician and the the scenes especially in the recording studio and everything where you just get to get to see him reinvent himself oh i'm gonna yeah, do this a lot of that right like i'm gonna do this and everyone's like oh i don't know ray i don't know, I don't know. he's like no, no 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 i'm gonna make it work you just watch you just, i'm gonna do i'm gonna do it this way yeah and it completely and utterly works yeah, it's interesting, like, I think I was reading up on, um, you know, at the, t- at the time there were other, blindness apparently was because of, like, lack of, like, not access to good health care, like, there were more um, black people who were blind in the United, like, it was much more common, um, and there were, like, other singers that, and musicians, blind Tom Wiggins and blind Lemon Jefferson were two of the ones they named. Um, they talked about how adding the, bl- like, there were a lot of singers who would add blind right, as the, part yeah. of the like kind of the ethos of that. Well, and one of the reasons why Ray never wanted to play the guitar cuz a lot of the oh, that yeah, was the, that, that was yeah, the instrument that was suggested to him uh at the blind at the uh Florida School for the Blind was he didn't want to he didn't want to look like one of those buskers on the streets who was who were struggling. So right. he opted for the piano instead. And then it was more wait, I guess that makes sense cuz you can't really have a piano on the street. Right? <laughs> um <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, I guess that that yeah. yeah well, but he, yeah, he learned to play multiple instruments actually. Uh piano, trumpet, uh, I think he did learn to play the guitar. He just didn't. Yeah, he just didn't, didn't really take to, to it. Yeah. The thing that he talked about was not wanting to be to put the blind moniker in his name, mm-hmm. as to kind of distance himself. And I, it's like I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to think about it because I think that there was that you know there it's ableism. <laughs> like I do think that putting though for me putting that blind before your name is a point of pride and I would definitely want to do something like that making music um I do think that the fact that Ray Charles is a household name is probably for that very reason that well yeah that he's that he was this you know amazing blind musician sure absolutely like if you tell it if you ask someone name name blind musicians Ray Charles will be one of the first ones but 
uh, <laughs> he was also talented as fuck. Well, no, I but, mean, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's because he didn't have that blind. I mean, I think that there were a lot of extremely talented blind musicians mm-hmm. and I do wonder if the fact that he didn't have the blind before his name really did matter in the end. Like that that was, you know, because there were so many fucking talented blind musicians at the time. And so why was it that he was the one who rose to, you know, stardom? Mm -hmm. Like what the thing that was different is the lack of the blind before his name. I guess. (laughs) I I mean, I would I would think and hope that the whole, you know, the whole reason his music is still played and loved and, and he's still talked about is because it's, he, he, he made good music. I think the art, I think the art speaks for him for itself, blind or not. Yeah. I mean, I think so, but I also do think that it's, it just kind of makes me sad that he didn't feel more like that could be an asset. I mean, cause in the sad thing is he's right. And like, it probably was not an asset, you know, mm-hmm. like it probably did. Um, he did s- suffer more prejudice because of it in certain, though it's interesting because in the movie we see how much prejudice he suffers when he's coming up and how much he's, and then like some a flip, like a switch flips and all of a sudden he's as privileged, like he just, he <laughs> seemingly has so much privilege. Well, because he's, <laughs> because he's making money. Right, right. And it's and, like and, more of a class thing in the right. end. Yes, because he lives in America and in America, if you make money and you're in the upper class, uh, sometimes I definitely cannot say all the times sometimes it doesn't matter what what your ability is or what you look like you've got money and power and you're a man so ta-da <laughs> yeah I mean you can continue to make money once you've made money is really the main thing about America so you get to go on one side you get to be once you have enough money you can continue to make a bunch of it but um, when you're stuck on the other side of it you, mm-hmm. you continue to not be able to survive basically well and I I did feel like the the thing between uh Atlantic Records and Universal Records or ABC Records was rather shady uh, I I liked the fact that uh Amon one of his fa- first record uh, producers didn't necessarily hold him to it. You know, he's like, well, you've made a smart deal. You know, you made a better deal. I get it. Uh, I still felt a little, still thought it was a little shady. <laughs> to like, well, I like that he always asked for creative control and stuff. Yes. That yes. I appreciated to have that kind of. And the masters. Like, yeah. There are musicians to this day that are still fighting to get their masters back from record companies. And some good forward thinking logic yeah, on his yeah, part. Yeah. And Ray is savvy enough to be like, mm, yeah, I'll come over, but you got to give me those masters. Which I, I did appreciate that. And I also was like, I mean, you know, I don't believe in capitalism. But I was also like, if anyone's going to get paid like more to be him, it shouldn't be like, fucking, you know, there's a lot of people who deserve it a lot less who are getting paid that kind of money. So I'm like, eh. But I also don't, it, it was just, interesting to think like how Ray Charles is Ray Charles and how many people with the same talent you know how you know either even other blind black men coming out of the south you know who were extremely talented musicians like there is that weird thing of like one of them is going to get this and then the rest Mm -hmm. don't. And it's like how many people had the same, you know, were given the same thing. It's just like there is a, I do believe that there is a little bit of the randomness of just like what happens. You, You talk to anybody about getting into the entertainment industry and they're like, honestly, it's, 
uh, 1% blood, sweat, and tears and hard work and 99% luck. Yeah. You, you have to be in the right place at exactly the right time. And for some people, it happens overnight. And for some people, they have to work more than half of their lives to just to even get noticed. And some people don't get noticed at all. Yeah. It never happens. Right. And we never see all of the movies. Like, because there's, you could see, you can make millions of movies about all the people who never got what they deserved mm-hmm. in recognition. Um, <laughs> can make a, probably a lot more of those than every single person who got what they deserved. And, you know, like, it's just, there are so many more people that didn't get it. And, you know, I think that... I did worry with this movie about how much it is like this weird inspirational story where like pretty early on in the movie he's already reached a status that very few people with even just like one or two of the marginalized identities he has are never going to make it to that. Like they're just never going to get to that point. And so then a lot of the movie are kind of you, even though I found him very charismatic, I thought that that... I don't know. It just kind of felt like you were seeing someone who now was being given a lot of privilege. Mm -hmm. And you never, I mean... (laughs) Everything felt a little too, like it fell into place. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's biopic syndrome. Maybe, To to be honest. If you've watched a lot of musical biopics, and I can't say I've watched every single one, but (laughs) if you've watched a lot of musical biopics, it follows everything uh, to to the letter. Yeah. So... Yes, things are just going to seem like they just, you know, click, 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 like just everything just falls into place the way it should because you're watching a biopic and you're moving along someone's timeline and these things have to happen. Right, right. And you have to like, and it is so long. I mean, we haven't even really talked about what I guess the plot of the movie is and like that it is the arc is his <laughs> drug addiction. Like, yeah, that is technically like the whole movie because a biopic you're not like they were born and then you know chronologically this is them as a toddler you know like there has to be some right, sort no, of a, overarching a, a, narrative right it's some yeah exactly that that's a, a through line that's and pulling you through the story he died it's like uh how old is he, he 73 yes yeah, so, something like that yeah and of like liver failure so yeah, uh, so not a al- alcoholic liver disease oh that I, I think was, is I, exactly what he died oh, of. okay yeah. yeah so i love how the movie is like and the happy ending is he never did drugs again but it's like, right, well, it's except like, for well, drinking. Once he gave up the hard drugs, he was still, he wasn't necessarily an alcoholic, like a mean alcoholic or anything, but like he drank. A lot, yeah. A lot. So it was <laughs> just, know? it wasn't really at all really helpful. This was before, I guess, we had like suboxone he, uh, he never know. he never gave up that weed though yeah which is like whatever, <laughs> whatever. i mean that's it's not that big a deal yeah. yeah the drinking though is the thing that can kill you early yeah. which apparently it did it did yeah. um but yeah he but the movie is basically like him starting to do it's like kind of the story of him beginning to do heroin and then the right. whole movie is like his which also kind of bummed me out because i mean obviously that is part of his story so it's Mm -hmm. not just that but like we see him move like a blind person yeah and then there's like the only times they really acknowledge it is like when he's going off drugs or like scratching and like the more and it really bums me out because it's like something that is very hard to explain to people and I don't think there should be stigma for people who have addictions but at the right. same time it's like a lot of blind people we have that, that weird added stigma where it's like this isn't even the struggle we're going through <laughs> like we don't no. like and but we'll get accused or we'll get accused of like 
it's like work discrimination for doing drugs or like we'll get kind of read as that Mm -hmm. and it can also be dangerous like around police and things like that oh yeah i mean so many people so many people have just like stopped me on the street and or or have watched me or whatever and i get i get asked if i'm high all the time yeah less so now that i'm in portland but all the time when i when i used to uh, back home i got i got asked all of the time yep yep and it it really it's fucking shitty like because there's also even more stigma probably for addiction sorry (laughs) speaking of Speaking of moving around, moving around and fidgeting, <laughs> yeah, because I'm when I'm watching, when I'm watching um, sighted actors play blind people, I'm always watching to see what their physicality is. Yeah. And so throughout the movie, I was thinking to myself, you know, is I don't know, I feel like his physicality might be a little exaggerated, and da da da. And then of course, you know, especially when he's in when he's in concert, you go back and you look at like footage of Ray Charles and it's like no no it's not at all <laughs> that was really accurate actually it's and it's so <laughs> nice to see him i mean i think that that was something that like people would make fun of too and it was always something that mm-hmm. i appreciated the way ray charles moved cuz yeah. it's it, it was like oh it's like me like it just felt it yeah. feels very affirming to see that and so and i do remember like that being something that was always frustrating to me that people would make fun of that when it's like no that's part of and it I think people just don't understand how connected to blindness that is mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. just that it is truly a blindness thing and um yeah I mean I fidget and move all of the time when I'm out and my head is constantly in motion yeah because I mean my eyes are kind of like owl's eyes in a sense that I can't move them around a lot right. so I'm my head is always turning or I'm always kind of wandering around or I look like I look like I'm lost I look like I'm meandering and sometimes I'm not yeah Uh, a lot of the times I'm not but (laughs) I'm not yeah I mean I think also I'm always moving so for me like I can't be still at all Um, (laughs) like I think that just the the stimmingness of it mm-hmm. too like mm-hmm. i think that there is a lot of and just your whole body can be connected to the way that, especially when it comes to though i don't do music or at least since like i was in elementary school but um but even just talking i feel like anytime you're using your body you like Mm -hmm. use your body that's why sometimes you'll hear that on this podcast because it's me hitting the microphone (laughs) with my hands as i gesture oh yeah well we both we both (laughs) talk with our hands yeah yeah (laughs) all you know all the time yeah and and i don't necessarily know if that's something that a, a totally blind person would do i don't know but but well, I know, I know we do it. Your body, your <laughs> yes. body is like part of that sensory mm-hmm. information. I mean, proprioception mm-hmm. is as much a sense as sight is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we have, we use other senses more. And I feel like proprioception is one of the ones that I really value and love so much. And, mm-hmm. I, and part of that is like moving around and feeling like you're in the space you're in because that can feel really nice and empowering to get right. to move around in the space you're in. And I also think that that is the number one mistake that we've talked about before with like sighted actors mm-hmm. will just be so stiff and they don't want to move at all when it's like the exact opposite. It's like absolutely a terrible you're, way right. for trying a blind person. You're, all, you're, you're moving constantly. You're, you're always, you're right. You're in the space you're always feeling things yeah it's just and i yeah it i liked that he is moving but i was like the way ray charles moves i like that jerry fox did not i mean it would be completely ridiculous if he was like i'm gonna do a very stilted blind person performance <laughs> just a stoic like i'm just gonna sit at the piano and just 
be really stoic. Like, no, 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 no. You would not get an Academy Award for that bullshit. No, not at all. I mean, because in in the way that Ray Charles moves, playing playing the piano and making the music, I mean, two things. You can tell he's in the zone. Yeah. And you can tell that just his whole body is just feeling the music in a way that... It's like that, a flow state. Yeah, in a way that... a sighted like, person just is this could less... never access. Yeah, and yeah. it's... Oh, it's so great. Which which is funny that, that we say that because Jamie, I don't know if you've seen Soul yet, but his character his character in Soul, like one of the most beautiful things about Soul is they talk about like the flow state. They call it the zone. But like when you're just... Mm, you know, when you're just in that sweet spot and you're doing what you're doing and he plays a piano player in that movie as well... <laughs> And the whole sequence is beautiful, and it it sounds amazing because the score to Soul is amazing. But I just think that's cute. That, does <laughs> that's he really move? I mean, it's animated, right? So yeah, yeah, it's not actually. But does the character in the animation yeah. move around? Yeah, like he. I mean, obviously his fingers are going nuts because right. he's a piano player. But he's like his shoulders are getting into it, and his head's thrown back, and his eyes are closed, oh, and yeah. just like oh, just like I really wonder how much of that is based off Ray Charles. Also, that's actually that's a really interesting question because uh, he's a very uh, iconic player of the piano yes yes like he is one of the people that people might think of which is right. cool to think that that would be in the visual language of uh you know pianos like when you're yeah. making a movie that's really and i think that speaks entirely to ray charles you know yes well and you know i, I don't know how much um input jamie fox had on his character's design in in soul but maybe you know maybe he did have have input and Maybe he he did get to think about how his character's name is Joe Gardner in that film, but maybe he did get to have some say and some input on like, well, this is how Joe would play the piano. Joe Joe likes Rach like one of Joe's inspirations is Ray Charles, so, so Joe's go. gonna play the piano like that. We know the writers are aware of Ray Charles' <laughs> yeah, existence. Yeah. Well, the the the, 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 <laughs> the movie was also scored by um, John Baptiste, who's an amazing jazz musician as well. So I'm sure John knows about Ray Charles. Right. Well, he's yeah, yeah he has a. He's very iconic, and even his mannerisms are part of that iconicness and the sunglasses. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, those are all things that I think we get, like, double prejudice for because they're red as, like, being high, which is then red as not caring mm-hmm. or, like... Or, you know, and I think there's also this weird thing where people are like, oh, you are high so you're not perceiving the world around you well, well. Yeah. like there's like well, these weird sunglasses if you think about it sunglasses are you know blocking the the eye from view they're 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 literally separating our eyes from sighted people's eyes and sighted people rely so much they're on what's going yes it. obsessed with the, the eyes they're relying <laughs> on so much about what is happening in a person's eyes and when you can't do that anymore yeah, uh, it really puts up a barrier to uh, to communication. Um, and I know that you know not all blind people wear sunglasses. Some blind people have to, and and yeah. just you know it is what it is. Uh, you 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 can't help it. But I think as a sighted person that that might make them feel a little bit intimidated or nervous about a blind person because they can't. But uh, it's there's no way of winning because it's like we no. still have to like if we take off sunglasses and use our normal eyes most of us just don't make eye contact i mean like for me making eye contact means i can't see someone's face which i'll do mm-hmm. just because i don't care about seeing <laughs> like i just don't want to be treated badly but i'm always part of me it's like why do i have to do this <laughs> like why can't people just get out why is this my problem to fix right like well, yeah that's that's making me that's me making eye contact with people like i do it now just because i literally spent hours training or being trained on how to do it in college and in 
all through elementary wow. school. But I don't give a shit about what your That's eyes the are thing doing. You get I trained to do. I can't see. Well, okay. <laughs> or do you get trained? Did you emotionally get trained, or were no. you like literally trained? Literally trained. Oh my god. So okay, long. <laughs> we it's time for Tangent Town. Uh, <laughs> all aboard the Tangent Train. Toot, tangent toot. Town Train. Tangent Town Train. Transit. Okay. Um, in college, <laughs> I was doing a play called Vinegar Tom, which is a really great play. It's a feminist play by Carol Churchill about witches, basically, in okay. the in like the 1500s or whatever. Um, and it's this fictional play uh, with bits of real stuff thrown in, like stuff that was happening. Uh, anyway, uh, I play Goody Putnam, who is the assistant to the witch hunter, uh, Packard. So the, I have a, like page and a half monologue uh that i get to do on stage completely by myself uh that talks about like how packer is so good at what he does and like why this town should should hire his services um so my so the director and i basically came up with like okay um we're in a tavern setting basically and you're like you're really like talking him up you know so we did the play in the round which means um we did it in uh all all four sides of the stage had people on them. So it was like a giant square. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, um, so we did it in the round. So there was like, you couldn't hide anything from anybody. You know, you were very exposed, which is fun. It's fun and scary and, and crazy, but it, it was really fun. And with this particular scene, my director really wanted me to really like hit those points home. Um, about what I was doing, what I wanted to happen to these women. Because, you know, I'm talking about, like, torturing women and, and how these women are worthless. And it's a great monologue. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but terrible. It's a terrible character. Really fun to play. Terrible person. Uh, and, and he's like, I want you to, you know, in, to make them fear you and awe you at the same time. And to, to do that, he really wanted me to focus on eye contact because I could get close to the audience. Like, I could sit in someone's lap if I wanted to. Right. That's how close I could get. So he was really all about like really trying to get the eye contact to with happen. the audience, with, not with another with the actor. Audience. Well, and then the other, then having eye contact with the other actors would come, you know, because we're doing it with the audience. However, it didn't because there were several cues um, that had to be that had to be made bigger or exaggerated so that I knew what was happening. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, it was a struggle at first, yeah. but it it worked. But I'm I'm telling you, rehearsal would end at 10 and him and I would stay <gasps> for an extra hour and a half. Oh, my at God. At least doing this, doing oh these, doing God. the same exercise over and over and over and over again. That's so obnoxious. So, um yeah <laughs> oh my god that, that was a thing that happened that's yeah oh that that's really I'm not, annoying <laughs> yeah i'm not mad at it like i'm not angry because i had the experience i think for that character for the character work it really helped and i was able to deliver the monologue uh much better and i could put more feeling into it i mean shit uh, one night I, I walked off stage and I got, I got a, an applause like after my wow. scene that felt really fucking good. So That's it, cool. it was like, it was worth it, but, but, but that um, was just your, it was inherent it acting was abilities hard. though. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, <laughs> you never did well, it you. without making eye contact. So you have no idea <laughs> if that would have been just as right, good. Right. <laughs> and do, you know, did I ever 
actually make eye contact with anyone i don't fucking know i can't see well that's anyone. the thing for me i'm like I, if it's an audience like i could pretend to make eye contact with them, exactly. but how effective exactly. that is seems right. little <laughs> i mean when i when i did get up close to people because i could i could get in people's faces and so I could tell, oh, this blob is is my friend. Is a human. Is a human yeah. friend from acting class or whatever. So I right. could, like, make eye contact with them because I knew where their eyes are. Um, but that's it hard. Was, it was, yeah, it was about being, like, keeping a steady focus, I think. Yeah. Was, was, right. Because he also pointed out things like um, my left eye, I don't hold it open as much as my right eye because my left eye can't see fucking shit so what's the point but so we worked on like holding my eyes open why don't they give (laughs) us all the blind characters act like fucking sighted actors are playing so that none of this bullshit has to happen on either side why don't they just let blind people play blind people so we can get the roles that are like we don't have to do this bullshit right or let me play goody as a blind visually impaired person yeah like there's nothing there's nothing in the script that says you can't well it's just like it's weird when people are doing like colorblind casting or whatever for things it's like never with disability with blindness specifically they Mm -hmm. never would do that even if you had a successful blind actor Mm -hmm. which we've yet to really have like you still would not necessarily you would want them to just pretend to be sighted you wouldn't want them to bring that blindness with them which is what i did throughout college all of my characters had to pretend to be sighted it was and and so i'm having to make up invent different cues like sight cues for me because yeah. I have to pretend to be a sighted Which person, is just, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's so much work. Well, and then we see all these sighted actors playing blind characters and they do this research and stuff. Right, but it's right. still offensive. Yeah. Well, and then when you finally actually get a chance to play a blind character, you know, when when I was allowed to play Titus blind and have a cane on stage and just play this character as a blind character... We didn't have to do hours and hours and right. hours of exercises. And no, none of the audience questioned anything about my physicality and right. about my performance. And, like, no one came up to me and was like, oh, you were so uncomfortable in your own body. Which yeah. is a note I've gotten several times <gasps> by from by uh, um, acting people. That's a whole other fucking story. They tell you to be someone you're not and then they give you the note that you feel uncomfortable, uncomfortable in your, in your body. own body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope they go to hell. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even believe in that it stuff. Was, no, it was a, it was a stupid fiasco. Yeah. Fuck um, that. Oh my god. <laughs> so the moral of the story is, uh, it's gonna be so much more authentic if you just let a let me play what my sight is. Uh, and also, don't yeah, yeah. incited actors shouldn't have to learn how to be a blind person. No, nope, you should hire blind people. Like Ray Charles is an actual human being, which is why the Jamie Fox was the few people who actually move like a blind person. Who, right of all these. Right. Freaking sighted actors mm-hmm. that we see, I, and it's only yeah. because there was a real blind person. Yep, in the you know at the heart of it is about a real person, if and I, that's the only reason why. Right. If I didn't know Jamie Fox was a sighted actor, I would have thought he was a blind person. Could have fooled me. I yeah. The, I feel well, like Ray Charles. Part. I buy more as a blind person. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I like. I don't. I didn't a hundred percent buy him. I think that his movements were better than a lot of mm. sighted actors. But because of Ray Charles being iconically moving like that, <laughs> um. But I like hearing that interview. 
This is something from editing the podcast that I have noticed is that the way that I talk is that I will interrupt myself a lot <laughs> um, in the middle of my sentence and then go on a little bit of a tangent and then come back. And it's this very weird speech pattern that I've seen that I've heard a lot of live people um, <laughs> that I know. <laughs> And I and he had it. You rarely hear interviews of people that mm-hmm. speak that way, and I love it so much. And I like that was my other favorite thing about listening to that interview was hearing him talk. And I feel like Jamie Foxx's vocal performance, I just didn't buy as much. Mm. Like he was a little bit more subdued in a weird like his he got that his body needed to be mm-hmm. like more expressive but then you just didn't hear the same level in his voice like mm-hmm. he's also mm-hmm. is he putting on some sort of voice like it didn't necessarily yeah, sound voice, exactly like the, Ray Charles the voice I, I thought was kind of interesting and I think maybe uh, maybe he was going for more, more of like the younger Ray, like Ray Charles' voice maybe, when he was yeah, younger. Maybe when I he mean, because we're we're, li- we're listening and watching all these interviews, and, and he's older, and your voice definitely changes as you get older. So, right. do maybe. I did yeah. I did I have to get used to it? Absolutely. Yeah. Did I was... think it was a weird voice? Yes, I did. Yeah. But you, I mean, you you have to spend two hours with him, so you get you, you get, do used get used to it. To it but... but it just felt like that's such a choice. Like it didn't seem like that was like just. You know, that wasn't a choice he made. It felt very much like he made that choice to make the voice like that. And so I was like, why? <laughs> why make that choice? Um, but he also just is very kind of straightforward in the way he talks. And he says things that are kind of like somewhat subdued, almost like, you know, n- <sighs> poetic sometimes but sometimes like but just kind of like kind of keeping his cards to himself a little bit and it's just you hear actual Ray Charles and it's the exact opposite it's like <laughs> what I would assume it's like he sounds much more like the way I talk and many blind people I know talk and so I was just like oh yeah that's a real blind person but I feel like because of the vocal performance that Jamie Foxx gives I never bought him because of that and and I was like is Ray Charles just weird and he's not like the other <laughs> blind people I know and then I'm like oh no it's just like for some reason but it's just also weird because it's like blind people are going to be listening to the performance mm-hmm. so why mm-hmm. why care so why little put, about that part why of it put the voice on yeah, yeah and I also just not make that more part of it like it, the motions are they try to encapsulate that um even though he's you know i think ray charles does a better job being ray charles but like <laughs> um it's the <laughs> after the disaster artist i just think about like watching tommy Wiseau and then james franco's performance yeah. and it's just astonishing like that and so now i'm yeah, like my okay, bar so, is set so, so ha- high oh okay so hang on so so because i've seen the disaster artist too yeah so what is your take on that performance do you think do you think it's a good performance do you i think- do Okay, I do too. So I was just yeah, curious. Yeah. No, I mean, I just think that that was such a great performance that I had to keep reminding myself that James Franco is in this movie because it just feels like Tommy was though in the movie. Yes. And I love the room. I've seen it so many yes, times. Yes. Um, so the the book the book is also really good too. If you haven't listened to it, I have lists. Okay. I'm almost yes. done with it. I'm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, it's um, so good. Because Mark does his Tommy Wiseau impress- yeah. impersonation in the book, and it's pretty good. It's good. Yeah. I feel like it's just James Franco. I don't know how he. 
he does it, but it was it's such a great performance that I'm like, if you're gonna play an actual person, you gotta be as good as <laughs> like someone who has film of them, like because you know right. there are you know when you like being Lincoln, everyone was like, why is yeah. Daniel Day Lewis talking like that? But it's like there's no actual footage of no, Lincoln, so no. and they're like, well, well, historically, you probably you might have sounded more like this. Well, Lincoln, like you don't historically, really know. Lincoln can sound however you want him to sound. <laughs> right, exactly, you have no documentation. Right. I mean, you'll have like I'm sure there was it was based off some sort of sure. secondhand accounts, pictures but, like, and you know, yeah. But yeah. but like when it comes to a voice of someone that is just there have been many taped interviews with them, and you know they've been in media mm-hmm. and stuff like then you have a lot more you can study, and so now I've like set my bar a lot higher. <laughs> but I yeah I I don't know I truly think the voice is is he was trying to do something uh, that had to sound younger. Yeah, I mean, it must have been that, but it just was. I mean, isn't wasn't he younger at the time? Like, why not just use his own voice at that point? It's this really interesting, like, kind of high pitched whine. Whine is not the right word, but it's just it's a voice. It's a choice. It's a choice, and I'm just like, okay, well, mm, all right. (laughs) Yeah, it's not it's not the best, but I. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, in the end, was just not really sure, I, it made me appreciate Ray Charles, it's kind of like the Miracle Worker, though, a little bit, yes. I hated it a little bit less than, I was, like, I frustrated can, with I the Miracle tell. Worker, Yeah, but yeah. I, just, I don't know, I, I thought, and, oh gosh, we should also talk about the women in the movie at some point, because <laughs> we had talked, just lightly brought that up before, but they're, the politics, the, the gender politics we have, the relationship the women have with each other, there's, like, a little bit of the, like, conniving, like, all oh, the women are are kind of being unreasonable vibe to it. It felt like it was written by men. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really... Y- yes, there there's a little bit of that rivalry. Um, I didn't really sense it was between the women, necessarily. It was all about the rivalry between that particular woman and Ray. And vying for his time and his affection, but I I didn't really think there were. It wasn't necessarily about like women being like cutthroat to other women. Yeah, there's one scene that is just genuinely like that mm-hmm. where they're like where he's auditioning the um the oh, for the yeah like uh he's Rayettes. looking for us. Yes, yeah. Um, so there's like a tiny little bit that is very much that, but mm-hmm. it's just that they there's a. I feel like the women are just not written very well. It comes down no, to it, like they're, no, they're just not. They're not written very well. They're they are uh, pretty one dimensional. I mean, B kind of sort of Mar- and B and Margie are the yeah. most fleshed out women in the movie. And to be honest, besides Ray's mom, yeah, they're really the only women in the movie. I couldn't tell you the other names of the cookies. I don't think their names are said once. Maybe, maybe once, but I couldn't tell you. There's so many. Like random, which I mean, I guess is like historically accurate, maybe, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but you just you just he goes through so many women that it's even though it's two and a half hours, you're still like it feels like it's flying. You're like, oh my gosh, it's going by so quickly. Right. Well, they have to they have to cover a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But it does make it so that I feel like because the, of that, you have you relying too right. much on stereotypes. You're and weird, right? Because you're kind of sort of experiencing women through Ray's eyes in quotations yeah. essentially and yeah and like we said Ray's we don't think Ray's a monster and you know he's not just women aren't, aren't just objects to him or whatever but 
you know, he he loves good looking women. <laughs> yeah. And there was lots of them in his life. The best so. two syllables in the English language. Pussy. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. Actually, fun fun fact that I learned. Uh Jamie Foxx does a banging Al Pacino impersonation. Oh, he's you should do that. Good. See, I he's would watch that movie it. probably <laughs> more than I would want to watch Ray as I would rather oh. watch a blind person play Ray Charles, but I would definitely watch with with, with Al Pacino. Pacino's voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I would watch a movie oh, where he was Al Pacino. No. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, this is a pretty, there's so much of this movie, too. So there's, like, stuff that we're going to wind up not talking about, even though we probably could. Um, there's the whole thing with the segregating. the Right. It's very, it's kind of very made up. quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if it was necessarily made up. It's not up, entirely made but up, but it's almost no. entirely made up. Because there's, a, what happened in real life was that, there was a telegram that was sent to Ray Charles by like some student activist to say that don't play the specific theater that now I'm forgetting they say the name in the movie in Georgia because it's segregated. But also in real life, it was um, like technically the segregation was that white people were allowed to dance and black people were not. So it wasn't that they couldn't see the show. Well, I mean, a blind person couldn't see the show. But right. um, but it was so it's a little bit different than that. And there um, and then what happens is he doesn't play the show and then plays the next year because they agree to on segregate the theater um well, for him to play and yeah. that's what actually happens in real life and in the movie there's like these protesters who are outside the theater and there's like and they're like you can do make a difference you can like not play here and then he just like turns around and then there's like this most caricatured character ever who's like i'm gonna sue you i hate black people um and then and then he's banned from georgia until the end of the movie which is also completely made up there's wait wait, wait really because because at the end of the movie they have that whole scene in Congress where uh, w- with the text and everything uh, with the Georgia um, delegates being like we hereby issue a public apology to Ray Charles and he can come back and play in Georgia anytime he wants and in fact we're making Georgia on my mind Georgia state song. Yeah they did the Georgia the making it Georgia State song. I think they might have apologized for having a segregated theater, but the fact that that had already been resolved, I'm not really sure if there was an actual apology, but it did become the state song, but it's like completely fabricated and I, also on top of that he wasn't still married because they made it a different time. So you you are yeah, you are correct cuz after looking at the, t- the the actual historical timeline, I was like, mm, yeah, they were definitely divorced yeah. by the time that happened. So it's just kind of like <laughs> completely fabricated for the most it's part. A hap- it's a nice little happy ending bow that they could put on the, the cake. Yeah, it's like a very movie Hollywood, which yep. is funny that the... Yep. the this was completely passed on um, by the major studios and was produced independently and then distributed by, I forgot which studio it is. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So it was like, oh, wow. Not a lot of studio involvement, which I was just like, oh, gone Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that's why there are a few cliches but it, they don't hit as hard yeah it doesn't, that could be it. it doesn't feel like a bunch of white people had their hands in it and be like well hmm, no yeah it's just like a, a little bit of a white person like i think there's there's it was written and directed by a white person mm-hmm. and then it was co-written like the the 
white person who wrote and co-wrote it was had a writing partner mm. who's black that mm-hmm. man that was the the breakdown i believe so you know it is not and they're both obviously cited everyone cited mm. there's not a, the only blind person even remotely related to this is ray charles um <laughs> so that's the i mean you know he does get to sing in the movie uh with his recorded yeah song so yeah. there's a blind person technically in the production <laughs> of the movie somewhere um <laughs> but yeah i mean i don't know what what should we do you want to is there anything else we should talk about before we get to our blindness acuity i mean lordy i, I i'm feeling pretty good okay we, good yeah i think we covered a lot of it it's two and a half hours long so i'm like <laughs> want to get to everything but also right that's hard. don't need to cover everything yeah yeah <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yeah. Do, do you want to go first? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this my usual grade of uh, 2,400. <laughs> nice. I uh, don't want to go any higher, but I don't want to go any lower either, uh, because I was very pleasantly surprised. I thought this was going to be a slog to get through. I pick, And I picked this movie and was just like, oh, oh man, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I, I feel like... Um, this would be considered like quintessential blind person viewing because a lot of the times <laughs> when I've talked to people about our podcast, they're like, oh, I get done, Ray. <laughs> well, not not yet, actually. <laughs> We're getting there. So now that we finally watched it, uh, I was pleasantly surprised and I get it. I get why this movie was so critically received. I under, you know, I understand uh, why Jamie Foxx's performance garnered him the Oscar. Uh yeah, I I quite enjoyed it actually. Yes. I, I I really did. I learned and it it let you know it it let me branch out and learn a lot more about Ray Charles that I didn't know. Yeah, and I love and appreciate his music more for that. Yeah, uh, he's Ray Charles has he still has a YouTube found a uh, channel uh, titled the Ray Charles Foundation. Oh, and you can find his lots estate of, is giant. <laughs> his estate is huge. <laughs> huge um yeah and the genghis khan of our times it is giant enormous uh yeah and it actually his estate was at was going to war with uh his kids oh Um, his estate was mm -hmm. like for money because because ray basically was like hey um i'll give you x amount of dollars you know if you um i don't think it was i i I kind of glossed over this because I heard I heard it and then just kept on looking at other things, but I I think it was he give him x he give his kids x amount of dollars if they just um, didn't it's not didn't didn't it's not didn't produce music but like didn't associate or something I'm not exactly sure but x amount of dollars to like back the fuck off basically oh, and let his estate like handle all of his posthumous things yeah or whatever you know oh weird yeah um. And his kids, some of them didn't like that. But like I said, I don't know. Go research that on your own because honestly, I don't. I don't know all the details. I do know his last album, Genius Loves Company, uh, was his best-selling album in which he paired up with uh, a bunch of really famous uh, musicians to do music and duets with and stuff. And that was released um, posthumously. Nice. So I need to go listen to that now. And I yeah. And I I love have garnered a love and appreciation and more of a love and appreciation and respect that i've had for ray charles incidentally before we even started this so yeah i'm uh i i really i really liked it i really liked it um great great performances um you know it's 
It's a biopic. Yeah. But it's a but it's a really good biopic. Yeah. I'm giving it a twenty one hundred, mm-hmm. I think. I yeah, I mean I think that the not having any blind people in the production, which obviously the fact that I still want that almost feels <laughs> so futile at this point of the podcast. Um, but I I did feel kind of like some of the Hollywood stuff kind of bothered me and it I wanted a little bit more from it. It just it was it was just very long, I think it was mostly <laughs> what I was thinking about it and I really like the the getting to explore Ray Charles I think that's the part that was the most exciting for me um but just listening to interviews of him I was like oh I would rather do this for two and a half hours than watch the movie like I found him a more interesting person and I thought that like once you get all these sighted people involved like that don't have these lived experiences then it just kind of like it it just waters down something that is could have been more cool but like the miracle worker it just made me realize like oh ray charles is really cool um and and it yes. made me less yeah. feel like this is the best movie ever um, right if you, if you take one thing away from this podcast it's that ray charles is really cool and yeah. you should check him out and his music you should check that out too yeah and i i i think there's he had a pretty long life too so there's a lot of um stories you can tell i like that unlike the miracle worker it was not him like learning to say a word like so that was kind of nice that he was like an adult but you know i think there was also a lot about his character that we could have explored more potentially and um i don't know i guess yeah i think he's a cool person to listen to talk but maybe um we don't need a two and a half hours of him getting addicted to heroin and then getting off of it which is really what the movie is about more than anything else um <laughs> but uh yeah and apparently heroin's bad that's the movie wants you to know throughout it well, yeah gotta heroin, love that it's really bad it is bad it but is, i'm no, tired of movies not, that not are just joking. like don't don't hey kids don't do heroin i mean it's yeah. bad but it's also just kind of like all the movies are like heroin is so it's like i'm so it's it's just kind of well, a boring you trope. Know, drugs. I mean, musician. I think it's even said in the movie, like musicians and drugs kind of sort of go together. It's when you can get anything and everything you want, uh, and you're chasing the next high, which Ray wasn't necessarily doing. He he was doing it because of PTSD, which is not a good reason to do hard drugs. But, well, but it, you know. it's the the reason everyone does hard drugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the basically the only reason. <laughs> um, but so I do think that it's probably you know music can be very emotionally mm-hmm. charged, and and some people get into it to express emotion they can't express other ways, and so that can also have co you know morbidity with, yeah. with drug addiction. I, I guess I don't know. that's I, my logic. I suppose what I'm trying to say is musicians and drugs. I'm just used to it by now. It doesn't. It doesn't surprise me, and it doesn't. Um, it didn't bog the movie down for me. The, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the withdrawal sequence was a little much, but uh, that was yeah. kind of that's kind of necessary. It just didn't really do. I guess my thing was just like this. This didn't do anything interesting with drugs. Like, with drugs is the word I'm saying that. But, like, there are interesting things, ways of looking at addiction and thinking about it. Sure. And I don't think it's yeah. a culture we've done any of it that. No. Like, and so I think that bummed me out where I was like, oh, this is just so by the books, boring, kind of like, <laughs> it's just almost 
it almost disappeared that there were even drugs like dealing with addiction because right. it was like a hundred percent cliche. There was not a single right. new just, way of looking at it. It just the drugs pop up when the plot needs them to pop up. Yeah. Also, apparently he got into chess while during recovery, and we see a scene of this. But the chessboard is a just a normal fucking chessboard. And I was reading about like how cool and creative the blind chessboards are that they have like braille on the, or I do they have I think they have some braille but they also have like the white is is recessed and the black is like up a little bit so you can tell the difference and they have um like they go match with each other so they have like a way to put them down and there's you can feel there's more bumpiness or sharpness i think on like um the black pieces and the white pieces are more smoothed over and you can and like also it is something that is very vocal as well and in the movie they don't say a single word while they're playing chess and I was like what the fuck you could have just shown that like that's so much more interesting but no they have to have a normal chess board playing normal chess so I was like he's blind are we not gonna like this is not accessible chess like I don't understand so that pissed me off so that lost at a hundred okay okay <laughs> well there it is there it is <laughs> that's the main issue I have with we this need, movie we need, our, we need our accessible chess yeah I mean that would be very cool to have a chess I, I don't really get the queen's gambit I would watch a blind person playing chess oh I need to watch that I still have not watched watch that. the first two episodes and then okay. Conrad and I watched them and then we stopped because we, um. we promised my dad we would watch the first two episodes before quitting and then so oh, we did that it's a fair shake you're yeah. giving it a fair shake but yeah. we did quit yeah. at the end so but yeah if you did a blind person a blind woman doing that I would yeah. definitely watch that hell yeah um but absolutely anyway that's um the queen's gambit no <laughs> <laughs> that's Ray. that's right <laughs> Yeah, we did it. Um, What were you blindsided by this week, Melissa? Right, right. Uh, So I was blindsided by a TV show uh, with the the title that is an acronym, uh, M-O-D... Uh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't remember the last two letters. Yes, uh, MODOK, or Mental Organism Designed Only for Killing. Yes. Uh, Wait, were you telling me this off mic? I might have been. Uh, so this is this is a show on Hulu. Uh, it's a, a new Marvel show uh, about the titular character Modok, who is um, uh, iconic in the Marvel comics in, in the Avengers comics because he's has this ginormous head. And uh, he's been depicted in all sorts of different ways. But in the show, he's this ginormous head with like in a floaty chair with like little tiny arms and little tiny legs. (laughs) And he looks ridiculous. Uh, But what interested me about the show is it's stop motion animation. And it's done by the same production company that did Robot Chicken, which whatever you think about that show, because I did go back and watch a couple episodes of Robot Chicken. uh, Whatever you think about that show, it is crude. Um, (laughs) as I'll get out. The animation was always something that I really enjoyed watching uh, just because it's so limited. Yeah. Because uh, they're basically, these aren't beautiful like Leica Studios, you know, dolls or whatever. These are fucking action figures that they found at Walmart, you know. Right. And although MODOK looks much better, the production value is up there, it still knows its roots. And so the way characters move or interact with objects, or, you still know, oh, <laughs> these are toys. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are just toys. Uh, and, it, and I have watched three episodes. The whole season dropped. There's like 10 episodes. Um, and... At first, I was kind of like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. And then I watched the third episode, and I'm, I'm, 
kind of here for this show, nice. I think. Uh, yeah, Patton Oswalt plays the titular character, and I'll watch anything he does. <laughs> he's kind of the reason I stepped into the show, because I was like, oh, it's Patton Oswalt, yay. Because yeah. uh, he's a total nerd. And apparently he and the rest of the production staff have had complete creative control over the show. Oh, so, cool. it, yeah, so it's very much... Um, taking pot shots at the MCU and at, you know, comics <laughs> in, cool. and at Marvel comics in general. And it makes me happy. Uh, and uh, there's lots of, lots and lots of voices that you would recognize. Um, John Hamm plays Iron Man, which I think is hysterical. <laughs> That's and, pretty good. Yeah. And Ben Schwartz plays Modoc's son. Oh. Uh, and he is, everything that character says is <laughs> hilarious. Ben Schwartz is great. Yeah, and I love I love Modoc's daughter named Melissa. Oh, so it's it's I, I kind of like get warm and fuzzies because I'm like, oh my god, Pat Oswald knows my name. He doesn't really, <laughs> but he in the show. Uh, yeah, but Mo, I really like Melissa. The the past episode I watched um, involved Modoc and Melissa like embarking on this scheme to get um, these tech bros to like Modoc and to think that he's a good leader. That's so funny. It's really great. It, and there's actually a lot of like family drama in the series too <laughs> so uh it's really funny and i i honestly wasn't sure and now i'm i'm quite sold. i'm sold i'm quite enjoying myself nice so if any of what i said sounds appealing to you or not i don't know check it out the episodes are only like a ha- uh, like less than a half an hour long it's not a huge time commitment and if it's not for you it's not for you but uh it's it's a lot of rapid fire jokes and it's super fun. So that's nice. uh, Modoc and it's streaming on Hulu. Awesome. And uh, the show has audio description. <gasps> Yay! So, it does. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's not fantastic, but it's there. Yeah, I was watching Community, which is not my thing that I'm re- recommending because I still feel like it's slightly problematic. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> but it has audio description technically, but mm-hmm. the audio description is so bad. <laughs> like they yeah. just don't say it's, things. It's not good. The uh, I might actually turn it off because the audio the audio description is not good and. Um, and I wanted it on because there's a lot of, uh, obviously there's a lot of visual gags in this show that I'm just not missing or I mean that I'm just missing. I'm not, I'm not getting, which I don't think is fair, but the show is the the show. No, it's not. But the show is very dialogue heavy anyway. Mm, So there's, it can be harder to, right. So the, and the dialogue's great. So, yeah, but But there was times there, it's possible to just do too little in an audio description. I found out (laughs) because there would be like long silences and they'd say a tiny little thing. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I needed more information than that. You had plenty of time. Right. (laughs) Like what is wrong? Right. Now, granted this, it's very rapid fire dialogue and like a lot of people are talking. So it's uh, hard. So that it's can hard, be hard. It's hard to insert it in, but the audio description is not good. Okay, it's still Hulu, not good. Step up your game, Hulu. Yeah. It's not good. It's it is it feels like a total afterthought. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I feel like now I wonder if there's been like some legislation that's required people to do audio description because we're getting some real bad ones. So I wonder if there's like it used to be that it would be like people who are like, we want to be accessible. And now it's just people being like, we're going to get the cheapest fucking thing and we're not going to pay for this at all. And we like this is just a hassle for us and we're going to make it still suck. So I'm I will be sad if that's the case in the end. But hopefully we can fucking make a big deal out of it if audio mm-hmm. description gets bad because that would fucking suck. Anyway, we're going to a movie after this and it does have audio description. So yes. I'm going to make this my thing quick. Um, my, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like my segue. Um, but Perfect. Uh, my 
blind what I'm blindsided by this week is uh the TV show special. Um oh. it's it's not a TV show special. It is the TV show called Special. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I said that it seemed confusing. It's a Netflix original show. Um Ryan O'Connell uh is the both the star and uh the creator of the show and he has cerebral palsy and his character does as well, which you know, that's what we talk about on this hey. show. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's sad because it just got canceled for its no. second season. So it only has two seasons. Oh, no. Um, and because, you know, one TV show on all of TV with a disabled star mm-hmm. and uh, um, like star in about disability. And so, of course, we got to cancel that um but anyway um it is a fun it's it's a fun show this first season is a lot about him not admitting to people that he has cerebral palsy or being embarrassed about it and those plots kind of annoyed me at the beginning um throughout the season obviously that has to like kind of (laughs) stop at a certain point because you can't do that plot forever what's the point of having it that way if you're not gonna get him to you know acknowledge he does have a disability and that's okay which does happen um but I think since that happens in the first season I really enjoyed the second season even more there's a lot more about him like he his dating life and he goes um like there's a guy he meets at a bar who is um like a fan of it because he writes at a um and a newspaper not a newspaper he writes it like a sort of buzzfeed like mm, thing mm-hmm. and and so this guy um sees him at the bar and is like oh i'm a fan of yours and then it turns out that he's like just very um like fetishizing of disability oh, no. and like you have another <laughs> boyfriend that he hangs who's like says kind of questionable things but then but then at the same time you have a plot where he like finds a group community like and so you have all these other disabled actors of course because it's right you know the showrunner is disabled so obviously they're gonna actually get disabled people to play the characters um and and it's just really fun to watch the like the crip community stuff and um and that was cool because I was like, oh, we don't really get to see this at all on TV, but we won't get to see it at all on TV again. But there's two seasons, so go well, check out those maybe, two seasons. <laughs> yeah, maybe if, if we fight hard enough, I don't know, Netflix will listen and Yeah, I feel like they back. didn't do a lot to publicize know. the show. It's pretty... No, I, I only started watching it because it's like, oh, disabled representation yeah, and I like queer stories. No idea this existed until yeah. you told me about it. And, and yet a show like friggin' Atypical has like four, gets, four or five they, seasons and Netflix has been trying to get me to watch that like 40 times I'm like I'm not gonna too. watch it no no it's super problematic um yeah but, but special yeah. is not it's it's good I mean it really like the things that are annoying are like not they're they still are very real and there's a relation like his relationship with his mom is a very mm-hmm. like you know we talk about it when we have movies where we have like parents and with disabled you know, children and that relationship. And I feel like it does a very good job at kind of really presenting the, you know, the weirdness of that and like how the sort of overprotective but still like caring mom that just like messed up by being not letting him do enough. But then like that they both have a lot of empathy 
about it and them trying to navigate that and there's it's it, there was one moment in the second season that made me cry so go oh. just go watch it because yeah, then maybe Netflix will be out. like oh people actually care about this shit yeah so. let's let's bump the algorithm Come yeah on. exactly please <laughs> um, yes. but yeah so that is special it is a Netflix original show um, so you can watch both seasons on Netflix now um we did a podcast. We did. Uh, exciting. Well, uh, last but last but certainly not least, what are we doing next week? Oh yeah. So we're <laughs> this week we did um, a movie with the a first name um, that's about <laughs> that's a some sort of music uh, certain musical artist at the wow. center of it. All right. <laughs> so this next week we're going to be doing Tommy, which is the Who's. <gasps> movie okay uh movie mo- uh, movie album of her like a visual album sort of kind of yeah, yeah yeah but it is a movie um it is called tommy and you can rent it on a bunch of platforms but it doesn't oh, look nice. like it's streaming on anything right, um it's definitely okay. worth googling it might be available on youtube because <laughs> movies sometimes <laughs> are um but that is uh the who's uh 1975 film Tommy is what we're watching next week. All right. Oh, I'm excited. I love it. I I love your. I'm always excited to know what your picks are because <laughs> I, it's. I'm guaranteed to not have seen it. So. Yes. <laughs> or or not know about it. I appreciate that we've been like totally just free associating. I feel like our movie picks have been free associating off the last person's pick. Or, so I'm appreciating that as well. Yeah, it's been good. <laughs> yes. Um, our theme song is by Lucia Fasano. Our YouTube is Citizen White Cane Podcast. Our Twitter is White Cane Pod. Both our Instagram and Facebook, they're both Citizen White Cane. Our email is citizenwhitecanepod at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voice message, there's a link in the show notes. Um, uh, what's your favorite Ray Charles song? Yeah. And why? <laughs> and can you sing it with the same emotion that he does? What? Um, uh, is Georgia always on your mind? Yeah. And have you ever been banned from the state of Georgia in real life and not in a fictional narrative? Um, <laughs> we would like to hear all of uh, those. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to leave us a voice message and come back next week. Um, we're going to we're gonna do The Who. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting. I'm excited. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Citizen.